Okay, so it's a constructed language. Yeah. I think I, I can't remember the name of the king who came up with it, but like he just fucking sat down. Um I can't say for sure, but I feel like this was around the time when they were having their um their war with Japan, or rather like Japan was in the middle of like invading because they needed something to do with all those samurai that they were kind of had just disenfranchised by, you know, having peace. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Peace. Classic monarchist mistake. But he got to just will a efficient language into existence. Am I hearing like the only upshot of monarchy right now? I'm just wondering like how he had all that time while there was a war going on. I mean like prime ministers and such, sure, certainly. But um, I need to I need to look this up so that I do not end up coming off like a gigantic fucking moron. Korean alphabet Hangul Day. No. I mean, no. coming off Just as Hangul, a giant right? fucking moron is really an American tradition in many fields. Mostly law enforcement, but, then, you know, that's me. That's me riding <laughs> the current of the times again. Yes, invented by King Sejong the Great in 1443. Um, oh, he's the, he's the guy from Civ Five. <laughs> oh, the Great. That's how you know they were willing to torture local historians. <laughs> Like, whenever I see a The Great in a history textbook, I really just assume that his son was psychotic. What I've been learning is that if someone gets to be called The Great, then their son is probably, you know, is not actually called the shitty, but usually deserves to be called as such. Uh, just, they, they could be called The Inept. The, uh, the Inept, or just The Disappointing, at the very least. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, he was king, I think, at least... A couple decades before that war, so I don't know what the fuck I was talking about um, just now. Did you just admit an error in 20 fucking 20? Because that's not the fucking rule book we play by. <laughs> There's nothing else I could do. Um, yeah, no. At, at no point in this Wikipedia page is any mention made of the, um, what do you even be called? It's like there's a there's a word like how like Sino refers to, you know, China, so like the Sino-Japanese war. I don't know what you call Korea, not probably not Korean Japanese. I uh, know that war, the war that, uh, that uh, Hideyoshi uh, started. I think you would call that war a uh, historical foreshadowing, <laughs> right? I was I was conflating, not conflating, but I was I was associating two events that happened a hundred years apart. Uh, Korean scripts Hangul that happened in the 1400s uh. and the uh, the invasion of. Uh, Korea by the Japanese, uh, the by the Tokugawa shogunate. I get not quite yet because it was Hideyoshi. That was that was the fifteen, like the late fifteen hundreds. Man, it's um, really rough when geography just says you will never know peace. <laughs> like, so here's this giant fucking like imposing <laughs> imperial power on one side, right? And here's this hungry fucking nation. On the other side, just the it just sees you just needs. sticking out into the sea, just like ooh, <laughs> like like so many chicken legs. So you know, good luck. It's like what? It it's shaped like something that we should eat. <laughs> it's intuitive. Are you going to deny nature? Are you going to deny design this ergonomic? Few uh, games manage to guide you along this efficiently. Let the mechanics tell a story I just remember that one time that you were talking about that one fucking game of Civ 5 that you played where oh yeah were... yeah. so what fucking happened here 
I was playing Civilization Five. Wonderful game. Teaches you a lot about how things work in an incidental kind of way. And one time I was playing Japan. I had in my head I was gonna go for like a culture victory or an economic victory. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just the the premise of Weeaboo Hell just blaring in the back of my brain. But you know what it fucking did? It spawned me it on a resource poor island. <laughs> <laughs> near larger mainland powers. So I just said, okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> and then I had the I had the biggest fucking army in the game by the time gunpowder came out. It was it was a bad scene is what I'm just No <laughs> It's happening. It's it was happening so directly and I, I'm pretty sure I needed to hold oil off of my main island to maintain my fucking standard of living. <laughs> I guess I, um, what I'm saying is mankind learned to fear its own fucking deeds. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I ever ran into like a particularly um historically appropriate game of Civ. I'm just remembering the really fucking memorable one where I uh I was I was playing India and the Aztecs spawned on the other side of of Korea, right? And like God fucking bless Korea for being my fucking <laughs> my fucking buffer <laughs> because they are the only reason that I survived. <laughs> Just taking taking fucking everything that Montezuma could throw at them. There's always a little smoke on the corner of the map. I kept giving them soldiers. Like, I kept, like, producing <laughs> soldiers and just gifting the unit to, to him just, like, so that I could not have to fucking have jaguars all the way up my ass. I learned everything I needed to know about the fucking CIA when I fucking... Another per- person was trying to just take over the city-state, and I just kept on sending it fucking soldiers. <laughs> that happened with me. The last big game that I played, um, like, towards the beginning of the pandemic, where I was decided, okay, I need, like, a time sink. And so I started a new game as Civ. Uh, what, it, what the time sink ended up being um, Witcher 3, but in this case, before I uh, got to Witcher 3, mm-hmm. I played a game of Civ, and it was, I think I was playing the... um. The Byzantines, right? And there is this island string full of a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of uh, of uh, city states, right? Uh, and here's fucking here's fucking Genghis Khan to my south. The heretofore the heretofore very charming Genghis Khan, who has made nothing but overtures of peace to me, right? But. But this is Genghis Khan, right? So, and Civ Five, and like his whole thing is, yeah, conquer city states, every single fucking one of them. <laughs> it's like it's what he's designed to do. But I need those things. My economy depends on them. Oh boy. So, so yeah, no, I was playing the fucking CIA game and doing fucking running fucking black ops. What are you called? The Mujahideen sounds great. Here's a rocket launcher. <laughs> right. What what was happening was that I had one allied um the hell's it called uh, city state on one part of the globe, right? And they were a militaristic city state um that gave me janissaries for whatever fucking reason. Now I was not really going to war that often, so I really did not need these janissaries, but you know, the 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 poor city of Hanoi who which was an island in this case or you know, in this world absolutely needed soldiers so that's what i kept doing i just kept fucking sending <laughs> janissaries to hanoi 
<laughs> to like on the off chance that they can Were they confused that Byzantine exclusive units kept on popping up in fucking Hanoi? They're just they're um they're Ottoman exclusive. They're Ottoman exclusive. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um I, everyone... I I don't know. Yeah, that's like this thing that the game does is that sometimes it will just give you um like uh the uh the special guest culturally stars. unique civ yeah, culturally unique uh, units just as a little I don't know, like sometimes I'm I'm playing fucking I'm playing like America right now. I'm not. America's a fucking boring god uh, civ to play in that game. I'm I'm playing like the Shoshone or whatever, and an allied. What kind of boring just... asshole loads up a game like Civ Five and plays his own country anyway? Like, who are you people? Why are you here? I'd play them if they had an interesting mechanic, but it's just like, oh, you could buy you could buy tiles for cheap. You know, if you if you if you, if you like buying tiles, do you like buying tiles? I heard in the uh, fucking Civ Six DLC, uh, America will have an uh, exclusive unit called a uh, military police that can only fire on its own vavulus. <laughs> it's like the Civ Four slavery mechanic; you don't get any building energy from it. You could call it a legacy of slavery. Now, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be that Actively, kind of guy. Yeah. Okay, not to um, oversimplify a complex situation, but when you look at the nuances of the thing, bacon is delicious. It's it's absolutely oh man I I was just making some quiche earlier today with uh with bacon and I was just thinking about like everything that we get from the presence of dead pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, you get just the fucking like we get Jello. They they you can make Jello out of that too, not just bacon, right? Like. <laughs> Spiders like love it. Boy. Spiders love it. It's some pig, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, truly, mm. truly, uh, days of wonder, days of spirit, days of glory. <laughs> now, a place where every day is strange is the uh, somewhat is, is Tower of God fairy tale ish, fairy tale adjacent. I would call it isekai adjacent, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself just by saying so. Oh, yeah, like, genre-wise, I'm, I'm talking more like the sort of presentation of the fucker. Like, is it... Oh, oh, I straight up just new weird. Just new um, weird, just... New weird, just fucking, Just like, licking Kelly Link's toes. Yeah. I was thinking, um... Oh, what the fuck is his name? He wrote Annihilation. I was thinking about him. Oh, yeah, Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer, there we go. Like, Jeff Vandermeer, China Mieville, that, that sort of thing. It, it is that genre. I didn't end up loving it, so but like so I wouldn't exactly favorably compare it to to uh, Jeff Vandermeer or China Mievel, but like it's it is new weird. Oh man, I used to date someone like really fixated on new weird stuff, and I think I had really healed, and I went back like, oh shit, Jeff Vandermeer is great. I just hate this person. <laughs> I'm working through that sort of bias that I built up, like against. Not H.P. Lovecraft in particular, because fuck him, um, <laughs> but just um, just Lovecraftian horror in general, and just how fucking tired I was of it by the time I was fucking 18, for reasons you already know, and I'm like, I'm actually gonna leave those reasons mysterious for our viewers, listeners, whatever. The mysterious um, but, backstory of Weeaboo Hell. But I was 18 and fucking sick of that shit then, and I'm 27, and like still working through being sick of that shit now and here's the thing is that the vibe i'm getting is that it's getting a little bit played out in just uh you know in in pop culture or media today you are getting over 
not liking that shit as soon as it's basically done. So, congratulations, you are no longer allergic to parachute pants. It's, uh... Life is... I think the fucking video games, out of all things, might have fucking killed it. Because if you ever want to just half-ass an adventure game and just shovel it onto Steam... A real vin- tentacles, <laughs> a real, just thin veneer of old. The dark unknown of. I've read um three things by H. P. Lovecraft. It is brilliant horror that we have made. One the- was at the Mountain of Madness, which was a fun, sort of like slow-paced horror story, as rendered by a man who forgot how adjectives work. This all counts as Tower of God, of God discussion because it's all new weird, so I'm counting this as Tower of God discussion. Yeah. The second story was okay formally, but I would describe the underlying horror as the time the black walked down the street. <laughs> and then there's his uh, masterpiece, and um, I don't know, uh, content warning for raci- racial slurs, I guess. I don't know. Is that is that the line? Is that our line on We Will? Just hard end bombs? But it's a, he wrote a, sto- a story slash maybe a prose poem called On the Creation of Niggers. Right? Yep. Yep. I, I'm very familiar with it. So I will say that um, Tower of God is not the most ill-conceived thing in the lineage of weird. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure that, um, oh, what's his name? That SIU, um knows that non-Euclidean geometry just means stuff with curves. <laughs> <laughs> because I can guarantee you there is at least one, you know, classic horror writer from around the turn of the century into the 20s who did not understand what that meant. <laughs> All right, so Tower of God, right? Yeah, Tower of God is change happening before our eyes, which is interesting. I don't know. It's nice to see... A change that isn't the widening of the gyre. And what this little change is, we all saw the sort of shift into adapting visual novels instead of only adapting manga that anime went through. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is sort of a second order thing, though. I guess closer to the comic form in practice, which is we have people adapting webtoons, which are... Uh... Well, instead of going right to left, you go from up to down. That's the... Uh... That that is the main difference in format between manga and webtoons, so far as I am, uh, so far as I am aware. Yeah, and it turns out there are actually multiple webtoon services. It's just that one had the, and it's like a fucking Xerox. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it is called webtoon, and then the format got big, and this was the thing that was called webtoon when webtoons got big, and thus, and thus, and. I know, it's an interesting thing, there's obviously, like every other format, you have your spread of content. I would say that their version of uh, capes dominating the medium is rom-coms. Near as I can tell, yes. Although, I think I should just put a disclaimer. I I don't really... I don't into Webtoon too much. Like, I will read manga, I will even read light novels. I feel qualified to talk about both of those on top of anime. I have not ever really checked out webtoons yeah. so i mean um, we're not positioning ourselves as fucking webtoon experts but one of the reasons that everyone's interested in this fucking thing is that it's adapted from a webtoon from a so webtoon, uh, yeah good so congratulations to a uh, mr siu his uh nom de plume or are those just his real initials i don't fucking know whatever 
No, no, it stands for uh, Slave in Utero. Amusing. It's a handle, you know. That is a sense of humor that does not translate too strongly to this work. Not to say it's humorless, I'm just saying his sense of humor is kind of dumb. Yeah, so, um, kind of right off the bat, didn't love this. I think it was well-directed, certainly. Didn't love this? I didn't hate this, it was more voidish for me. Yeah, it's, um... I almost am disappointed in how I felt about this, right? Because if I hated it, right, I'd have all sorts of bans. As it stands, I got a few things to say about it. Just reasons for why I was pretty lukewarm on it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with an element that this has that annoys the piss out of me. Okay. Um, that is not unique to it, uh, which is an isekai mechanic, right? Which is why I kind of maybe unfairly kind of associate this with isekai, even though it, like, is it or isn't it? I don't think so. I don't, like, technically not really. It's not. Um, if I had a gun to my head and I was filing stuff in the library, I would not put it next to these guys. It's like a, this is a fantasy, new weird kind of romp that is very tropey, and th- that's why it feels that way, just because Isekai stuff is basically a Frankenstein of cliches. Well, it's not that. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm um, saying that this it's, is It's something that. really specific for oh, me, okay. um, which is the fact that, okay, so it, this is a fucking thing with me that maybe I'm the only person that this pisses off, right? Maybe maybe I'm just insane. Um, whenever I see non-diegetic video game elements introduced into a show as a diegetic component of that show... I fucking lose my shit just a little <laughs> bit. It takes me right the fuck out of whatever I am watching. And it happened really, really soon into the first episode of Tower of God when this, um, I think her name is Yuri, Princess Yuri or whatever, mm-hmm. um, pulls out a fucking video game inventory of swords. And I'm just like, God fucking damn it. I was trying to give this thing a oh, chance. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even in the room and I could fucking feel your temperature going up. It was, uh, it was an interesting moment. <laughs> and I could go into why. I guess it's just like the it's distancing in a way that doesn't serve the thing. Non-diegetic video game elements are they're, they're there and they only work because it's an interactive medium. Right. And you can get away with breaks from reality because they have to fucking be there because it's a fucking game. Mm-hmm. But here we are with a show that's not interactive and they don't have to be there. I would compare it to page numbers in the corner of a movie screen. Like just every frame has a number. It, yeah, that's a. It would get pretty high by the end, but you read me. At worst, I'd think it was kind of pretentious. <laughs> or at best, I'd think it was kind of pretentious. Just like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. You you really crafted a real story here, haven't you? Spun me a tale. Oh, yeah. So that's something kind of a little bit specific to begin with, but I just kind of wanted to, to get it off my chest before we get into the real meat of this. Fair enough. By the way, I'm just going to zoom out for a second. Tower of God premise guy is... Anna simping on fucking is she a princess, rich girl, whatever. She's pretty and she helped him and taught him shit. So he goes into the Tower of God, which is a series of sort of loosely defined levels and challenges where each level has its own fucking gimmick, and if you get to the top, you can become the shaman king or assemble the fucking dragon balls, or what have you. Hokage, number one hero, uh whatever Ichigo Kurosaki was after. So I don't think he was actually after anything. To this thing's structural benefit, uh, you don't really have to uh, question where we're headed with this one. He has, I don't know, clear goals, a clear motivation of 
the boot. Let's lay out the setting here just a little bit more, and then I want to talk about this uh, this kid Bam. His name is Bam. Uh, I want to talk about his motivations a little bit and why uh, they kind of just don't fucking work for me. All right, sure. Yeah, so we're in this um tower. I you you could think of it as a tower. I think it's just you know a series of little worlds, a la a video game. Again, just cannot fucking into it. And they're filled with just you know character designs of uh yeah. It's a grab bag of uh heavily sort of genre characters. Yeah, just like stuff that could be from one work of genre fiction or another. Like most of them kind of fantasy esque, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All the group character shots look like a fucking uh superhero crossover event would be my description. Uh that's not inaccurate to say, yeah. I wanted to find all of it more interesting than I did. Uh and I've been trying to diagnose why I did not find it as interesting as I kind of wanted to. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that? When I started the show, I sort of reeled in from the start because it has a lot of visual signs of doing something different. Like the the color palette is very subdued and it gives it a different look. The line work does something that I'm not technically capable of describing, but once again, it gives a different look. So, I don't know, everything is very visually like arranged well, and then there's just nothing really happening underneath. So I almost feel like there's a, something it's not not living up to. It's like a flashy car of a shitty engine. The way that I would describe it is that it is lacking a human element. Um it's 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 got like a whole bunch of I don't know, it just it's got all of this fucking minutia attached to her, right? And I'm sure that you know, you, you go far enough into the webtoon and, you know, everything, you know, has an explanation, right? And I admit like I kinda spoiled myself a little bit, you know, just like Went to, you know, various character pages and various places. Mm-hmm. Looked at, you know, people and things and, you know, like, their place and all of this. And it's like, you've got all these fucking categories that, you know, and subcategories that uh, that stuff uh, falls into. And it feels very much like someone's toy house page. As I was watching it, I was just thinking that there's really just no fucking... That I could see, I it just seemed to lack much heart. I think heart is a very intuitive way of getting at the fact that there isn't a very like individualistic spark to all this stuff. I see a dramatic sequence Mm -hmm. and the characters are framed in a way that I know the emotion they are trying to evoke and they're not doing it in an incompetent way and it's not like fucking rushed or anything. Yeah, like I was saying, this is well directed. And I don't know, maybe I just don't like Paprika or something, but I guess I just don't have... (laughs) Nothing makes it individual, and so I don't get pulled into the thing. I just feel like it's happening in front of me. Yeah, I get that. It's almost like a music video show. Like, when, when music videos became bigger than the fucking rock songs themselves. And then everyone woke up one day and said, Poison fucking sucks! <laughs> Which isn't to say everything about the show sucks. No. It's a Poison music video. <laughs> I have more of, like, just one scene that I'm kind of wanting to point to here, which is, I think, towards the end of the first episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, This Bam kid, right? He's put through this challenge, and he ends up trying to chip away at this dome or something on the ground, you know, with, with, with a sword while there's, you know, this uh, big serpent kind of trying to eat him or oh, something. Oh, yes, very, sp- right? very spirited, very hero. Um, and he, uh, 
and he's really fucking going at this thing, um, just repeating, shouting something. I don't know. Like, let's say he's shouting Tatake because that's clearly what this scene is trying to. Yeah, evoke. he's shouting something to the effect of "break, break," and of "break, we're break." Tr- Tatake. We're supposed Tatake. to be sort of learning about his willpower as a figure. And I am just fucking left cold, uh, th- because like the pathos just is not there. Um, it's just not there. This also, this the series isn't too committed to willpower as the thing that sets him apart, or any particular given thing as a thing that sets him apart. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the series. Kind of seems to be insisting that he's special in some way, but I just don't get the sense that he is. And again, I am sure that there is some diegetic reason, you know, five hundred chapters in that we learn that he is special, right? Mm-hmm. But. There is a difference between, you know, him being special because of, you know, like such and such plot elements that say so, um, and him feeling special. Nothing feels too particularly extraordinary about him. And, you know, maybe I'm asking too much or I'm asking for my expectations are, you know, not where they should be. But uh, I just I kind of don't care about this kid. I think the dissonance that's sort of chipping away at your head here. This is a thing that happens in a lot of a lot of anime, a lot of action media in general, in that a lot of things want to have their cake and eat it too in terms of like three kinds of appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Your chosen ones, your underdogs, and your everyman. And I think the thing that a lot of people need to start fucking realizing that these are three entirely different ways of engaging with your background. Like, there are three entirely different relationships with the world, and when you try to grab at all these at once, you just sort of end up with a weird slurry of nothing. I would agree in part, I think. Take, for example, in Tower of God here in particular. Okay. So we come in. He's the underdog. He is a normal guy coming into the Doom Tower of Fate, full of monsters and shit. He barely understands what's going on, but he wants to get that boot. So he steps into the arena. Mm-hmm. Immediately, this princess comes in, gives him the infinity plus one sword of kicking the shit out of everything that moves. And then max on him a little. And then max on him a little Just... so he's also <laughs> hot. <laughs> but now you're trying to fucking drift race between fucking underdog and, I don't know, Palladius, hero of the realm. And then his special willpower is... Immediately solve the undeclared puzzle of the. That's a whole other thing of this show, by the way. Maybe there's a separate. I don't know if you want to get to that yet. Oh yes, in just one second, okay. um, because we've we've just arrived at this this issue that I have with this show, which is his motivation, right? In that, um, okay, so perhaps we're being facetious in saying that he's chasing the boot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't actually know where the story goes in that regard. Uh. But the thing is that his sole motivation is that he wants to find this girl um, because she is his only friend uh, because he is amnesiac and she is literally the only person he, you know, actually knows, right? Yeah. Okay, so when she disappears, he wants to find her. That's fine. The problem is that that just seems like a way better setup for a, um, for like a mystery rather than a kind of like video game action adventure. And like, I'm sure that there are mysterious elements or whatever that you can point to but the show is just not playing out as sets right the show is not us uncovering um new information this show is more just um okay here's all this new information 
um, because you're in this now, right? And you're just going to have to fucking take it as it comes. Um, and so his motivation just does not seem like the correct one for this story in particular, if that makes sense. I think that does make sense, like especially because I think we're underselling, based on all these other fucking elements, how action-driven this program is so far. Yeah, it's... um. And it, not necessarily, like, fighty action, although there is no shortage of that, but also action is in, like, they're they're playing games, right? It's it's act, action as then it's very active, as in there's not, like, a whole lot of... Yeah, not a lot of a contemplating your uh, fucking navel in this one. Except when they do, and I just... It, it goes in one ear and out the other. It's not its strongest fucking element, yeah. There, there, there are entire paragraphs of dialogue in that show where people just kind of wax poetic about something. I couldn't fucking tell you what, and I just like, okay, dude, whatever helps you get to sleep at night. But yeah, when it comes to what people contemplate their navels about in the midst of these uh, battle or pseudo battle scenarios, I think they're either convinced this is a little smarter than it is or are willing to try to just play it off to make ends meet. Maybe it's not fair. It's not pretentious. It's not really a pretentious show, but shit is basically just... It happens in a way that it may not be arbitrary. It can be perfectly structured, right? Like, it can be a perfectly natural flow for a fight, but the information is put in exactly as it matters and it just makes it feel arbitrary. When he gets eaten and does the old fucking jabu-jabu the whale, cut your way out of the fucking thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It is just immediately said as soon as he does that, that this was the only way for the trial. This is the way the trial is designed. It is actually super smart to jump into the mouth of this monster. Stabbing his exterior would have been pointless. Yeah, they're cheating a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, and that's only an example. It's a small one, but they just sort of apply that method throughout all of their levels of their video game. You've got all these, I guess you could call them puzzles, right? That, you know, anyone watching the show could not possibly fucking solve because the information needed to solve these puzzles is hidden from us right so that when someone does solve the puzzle it's like okay that's very impressive i suppose um in fact i need to move away from the village of good faith for a second to uh just sort of kick the ribs of one segment mm -hmm. which is fucking trial three which is one of the I shouldn't say it a few times because we watch shit like, I don't know, MILF Isekai. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the few times I have audibly said my ass in recent memory. <laughs> Which one was Trial 3? Trial was 3 like in the, the one show. With like the, the setup was pretty simple. The doors or whatever? Your battle team, who you have grown to love and care for as brothers at this point, you can go with it. Have ten minutes to figure out which one of these, I don't know, eight, twelve, whatever. There are a bunch of magic glowing doors. You have to figure out which one to go through. There are no other clues. The answer is to just open one in five minutes, anyone who chooses right, but just to prove that you have the the biggest balls of them all by playing Charge and Charles and running ahead. And I do not know what fucking human logic chain between the information they gave you and what happens is meant to lead, I don't know, erstwhile champions to this conclusion. I don't know, maybe this is why I'm not a destined hero. Maybe this is the hole <laughs> in my character. That's why, like, if Earth depends on me having that bit of courage, 
without even like thinking it through. Like not even courage, just reckless, random abandon to say like, well, we've got to open one of these fucking doors. We're boned. We're fucked. The earth will be dusted because I, 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 I'm not wired that way. That's not a fucking homo sapien logic chain to me. This has been cinema sins. This is this will be my only cinema sin. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, it's a sort of build on like this and the sort of, you know, quote unquote mysteries that, you know, Tower of God sort of introduces. Like, and I was saying that, you know, Bam's motivations would suit a mystery great. Um, And this, you know, at least on the surface, does feature mystery as an element, but there's nothing mysterious about the mysteries. It's just like, it just introduces these elements like so obviously and so arbitrarily that I'm never really left with questions. I'm just thinking like, uh, okay, I guess. And to the point where I felt like the show was fucking gaslighting me. Like every time I want to say, okay, so this element is frustratingly arbitrary. I feel like this show is just wanting to stick its tongue out at me and declare that I don't get it and I'm not being patient enough and then accusing me of arguing in bad faith. Like, I swear to God, that's what I was, that was the vibe I was getting from this show literally the entire time I'm watching it. And like, I don't know, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I am a fucking moron. That could very well be. But. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe, um, maybe everything in this did just feel kind of fucking arbitrary and like it was just put there in a way, like in such a way that I'm supposed to think that it's fucking brilliant. And it's, I just like, I don't know. I don't care. It's, it's, it's made mundane in such a way that I don't care. And like, not in the magical realism sense of, you know, the magical, yeah, not mundane, in a lived in like, way, in a, it's just things happening at UA. Ironically, because it has that little flaw, I think it kind of undermines the sort of new, weird, uh, schizo-tapestry world they go for. Well, yeah, because new weird does actually seek to, you know, kind of freak you out a little bit. And, you know, magical realism, right? Um, yet, in the in-universe, what is happening is mundane, but to the reader, it is still, you know, magical. Yeah. So... But, but like, the problem is that there are these just elements that they're just kind of there and no one in-universe is reacting to them, yes, but they are just made so amazingly flat by how everything is presented that, you know, I'm not really reacting to them either. It's very strange to me because when I get something pitched to me as a paradigm shifter, mm -hmm. I kind of expect the flavor to be really strong not necessarily in a good or bad way but say your sao changes things and that thing to my palate sucks really aggressively mm -hmm. or you have i don't know some medium defining shit like i don't kimba the white lion or some nonsense right code gs slightly more recent something yeah like that, that. that had an intense flavor so it is fascinating to me that something that represents such a business paradigm shift is just porridge anime wise and the ideas are from like a different ecosystem in theory right i mean it's a and a globalism it should feel whatever. fresher than it does yeah it, it definitely should feel fresher than it does i think that is i'm watching an outside perspective here and there's just not that much about it that's that outside like i am watching something published on an independent online platform from a different country than anime usually draws from then again, maybe that's why this is the first thing adapted from fucking Web 2. Maybe that's it. It's just kind of safe. 
it's interesting that webtoon caught on when they were they were trying to get manhwa to catch on and it just fucking wouldn't but like this is what did oh yeah the only manhwa i ever saw in a fucking barnes and noble was ragnarok which is also very familiar and thus yeah well we learned something on market forces today kids (laughs) i am yeah i am i'm not sure that i have that much more to say about uh terror of god which is i i know that's gonna sound disappointing because there's so much in it but like it is full of yeah there's a whole lot in it but there's i don't know when you when you serve yourself rice there's a whole lot of great i I can make jabs at individual characters like they are convinced you will find large fight man to in the same way that certain female characters feel cloyingly engineered to be your waifu, he feels cloyingly engineered to, like, I don't know, have that fucking erd not rex if you like, yeah, he's your fight, bro, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, dude, dude's uh, rock yeah, 2020. Um, and... There are one or two little moments where you could just tell that there is a laugh here, please, and I'm just sort of awkwardly, like, kind of looking at imaginary, you know, audience members next to me to see if they're laughing, and... I don't know. Maybe it's just not my sense of humor or whatever, but it, it, it everything fell off about the timing every time that there was a gag in this. So yeah, this one, not quite made for me. And the next one is, in terms of marketing demographics, explicitly not made for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we got <laughs> we got a fucking actual isekai here. Yeah, everyone, we're back to the isekai tree. I'm gonna bang that drum until I'm dead. And the specific isekai is a sort of... Is it Flavor Month if it's a whole seat? Whatever. My next life as a villainous, semicolon... All routes lead to doom. All routes lead to doom, exclamation point. Oh boy, it's an excited one. It is an excited one, and... I don't know, maybe this... I, I guess this is benefiting from like my genre tyranny of low expectations. Here's what I'd like to lay out. Mm-hmm premise uh it's an isekai except it's uh, a dating sim where the uh protagonist is a woman and all of her suitors are males it's like kind of you know like gender flip from like the standard sort of dating sim um yeah, right yeah, if you got and, a whole reverse uh, harem thing that's going. it that's it you're you're fucking you're fucking caught up it's vaguely you're uh, baroque in its aesthetic right so um back in the 90s right uh there was oh, wait, this wait, online wait. One, film one element one side that's theoretically involved is all routes lead to doom so in theory, she is this character that always bites it in this game or gets exiled in one route, I would like to point out, completely sinking some of the fucking tension there for he goes, oh, you're just gonna move to a big house in the country then? I think it's sort of implied that, like, no, you're exiled to fucking St. Helena, but, um... Fair. Still. So, so those are the stakes, right? And there is... Like I said, there's this one online film... Uh, review site from the 90s uh called mr cranky i don't know if you uh if you remember denard um i did not encounter this one it was premised upon the assertion that all films suck and this is a tire shouldn't stick in the year of uh of our lord 2020 when like fucking cinema sins gets fucking like six million views within the first 30 minutes of every fucking video dropping whatever i'm not mad um but this was the 90s it wasn't old yet um, the, uh, the highest rating that Mr. Cranky would give a film was almost tolerable, which is what I'm giving this. Uh, there was nothing offensively terrible about my next life as a villainess, and it didn't have, like, that kind of fuck you, you'll buy it sort of attitude that most Isekai has. And, like, 
to its credit, like what I was talking about earlier, the diegetic inclusion of like non-diegetic video game elements, it keeps that to a yeah. minimum. The credit I'm going to give this fucker, right, mm-hmm. is that I was expecting it to, just from the presentation, from the marketing, from the title, plunge into the depths of Isekai Hell. And instead, I found myself in rom-com purgatory. Yeah, it's that once you get past all the sins that it's not committing, it's just, it's mildly interesting. Like, which is fine, I guess, if, like, that's what you're into. But um, here's the part uh, where I say that the most useful critics are Mm -hmm. the ones who are consistent in their opinions because you always know where you stand with them. Is this the donkey principle? Um, yeah, this is sort of the donkey principle. Like, I, I, I very much agree with what he was saying here. Like, my opinion is that Isekai is really fucking boring. And you can think that that's an arbitrary line to draw or that I'm full of shit, and that's fine. Uh, but since you know where I stand on this, it provides you very important context for everything that I say. So when I say that this is almost terrible, for, for those of you out there who love Isekai and think it's a great genre, then you could kind of just take that to mean that this is a fucking 10 out of 10 Oh, isekai. oh yeah, uh, I'm like, sorry. I if don't you know, like, but... Like... Isekai, any Isekai, I'm pretty sure this show will blow your dick off. Yeah, you'll, you'll probably think it's, like, the fucking tits. Um, I don't, but you probably will. So, you know what? Just fucking sink your teeth in, because at the end of the day, you're having more fun your than Your jaws I am, will right? drop so you and say, I'm used to empowerment fantasies where you sort of wink at things and they explode, but in this world, she's doomed. <laughs> and this will be your watchman. <laughs> All right, just the fucking genre of isekai reacting to itself. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's good fucking lord. Wary. We're gonna put this one down with a shovel. To so just, just, um, just because I haven't been petty in uh, the last five minutes. Uh, same face all over the place <laughs> in this show. There's the, in the third episode, right? The first couple of episodes, and it's interesting that they do this, right? They kind of introduce the uh, the characters as kids. Uh, before, you know, like, zooming them ahead to when they're 15. Oh, yeah, there's a and, uh, there's little youth adventure. The cast that you'd met, <laughs> the cast that you'd met as kids, right, are all int- reintroduced en masse, right, as 15-year-olds. And the the, uh, the shot just kind of pans across They're like them, the fucking right? board. every single male character has the exact same fucking face, I swear to God. It's incredible. I, I keep expecting fucking Locutus to stomp in. They made such a goddamn mistake lining all of those characters up next to one another. I might not have noticed otherwise, because <laughs> they all have fun haircuts. Yeah, the to their to to the show's credit, I guess they've got fun haircuts. The relationship to the uh, emperor and his very similar clothing. <laughs> <laughs> I. Um, so, so, so now, now that I'm done being petty, like, compliment sandwich, um... So yeah, this show aspires to archness, which has an interesting effect. What, what do you mean when you say archness? When I say archness, I mean the way that a show like, say, Archer or fucking Excel Saga is trying to play around with the idea of being in a genre, right? Okay. And just throw those elements around. Oh, so archness in this context means archerness? No, no, it doesn't mean archerness. It means just... I I just mean that it kind of wants to have a winking eye open the entire time. Maybe this this is just a term that exists and I just have never fucking heard it before. Totally fine. But yeah, the point is that there's a lot of, like, small parody riffs going at a given point. Okay, cool. Yeah. And they all... There are basically two wavelengths of these. 
They're the ones that just mm-hmm. barely exist because they're very surface level observations of isekai, which is almost boring because look at the fucking psychological underpinnings of this genre. Eventually someone will make a lot of money with just a deconstruction of a man who is this thing that wants to own everyone else around him. One will be good. I'm here for one it. One will be good. It'll be the last one. It will It will be the last. It'll be a good version of like one of those fucking what if Superman bad stories. Whatever. Not, my, not our point here. Not, mm-hmm. not our fucking thesis. I guess where the show survives is that there are these... Like the fucking flashes upwards on an EKG machine. There are these little hints of idea. Like I, I wrote down just... One of her fucking husbandos can't hold a fucking conversation because he's a strong silent type. Oh, I love that. Just, she's always having like these internal monologues where she's just wishing that he would fucking talk about something because it's awkward. And that's like that's yeah, cute. Yeah, that and that has a uh, charm like, and credit where it's due. Charm is worth a lot of weight in a romantic comedy because it's pretty much only charm, conflict, and a series of a man holding a boombox above his head. Hmm. These moments were um, frequent enough where I would call this show like mildly funny, I suppose. But the problem is Very that Nick they happen in between. Yeah, they they happen in between these pretty long sequences of um, nothing. Not nothing, but just people. <sighs> I feel like I'm being unfair when I say this, but like it's the sort of same problem. Um, that I had with uh, with Oran Ho- uh, High School Host Club, which is a show that I like, but the issue that I had with it was the whole, like, in this scene, people are in a room talking, and in the next scene, people are in a room talking. Mm. And I know that this show does more than just that, but it does a lot of just that. Uh, and so I did find it somewhat hard to pay attention um, at times. That being said, mm-hmm. it could also be... It could also be that I was instinctively reaching for my phone to, like, just get my hands on some more horrible fucking news because uh, this week has been, you know, you know, the world's, the the country is having normal one. Stop touching your fucking phone because something happens every time you touch your phone. And if you touch your fucking phone one more time, a flying saucer is going to land over the fucking White House and declare its allegiance to the White House. And then we'll be fucked yeah that's um i'd like for that not to happen yeah yeah and by the way if bacon's delicious oranges are delicious and nutritious i don't know that this orange would be that nutritious i feel it'd be mostly gristle (laughs) yeah you don't want gristle in your fruit you know it really throws off the texture (laughs) it doesn't really fruit should not be savory you bring up an interesting question like, do you, are you giving something a fair review if you don't find its basic mode of entertainment or delivery engaging? Like if you're someone who just does not dig violence, you are a lifelong passive, you flinch at a speck of blood, how well can you review Bloodsport? That's a, that's a fun question, because I think on some level, part of me does tune out on the very tea party scenes in this, and I don't mean of the Boston variety. Oh, there are plenty of them. Like, there are literal tea parties. You know, I, I, I think at least two of them show up in three episodes. So, I don't know. If you are halfway through your draft of hate mail on me not getting it and saying, this isn't made for you, this is made for tea party artisans, maybe you have a point. 
<laughs> Maybe like you have the shadow of a point. I would argue though that I have read such a trench and variety of people from my fucking MFA purgatory to fucking weeaboo hell here to all kinds of shit that while something might not be in my default mode, I can at least see the appeal or if something is being done well or in a fresh way. And I can feel this sort of paddling in the wave pool of its predecessors. Keep going. Ultimately, the basic unit of a scene is two people talking. Mm-hmm. So I think when we say that every scene just feels like people talking, what we what it comes down to is they are not saying anything that pulls me in or I haven't heard before or is particularly funny. Like, plenty of action movies you could say are just two people punching. Like, the raid is just some people punching, but they're punching in ways Oh, man, is, it, are... is it ever some people <laughs> yeah. punching? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, it, it's a good point. It actually sort of... um. It actually sort of ties this back to what we were saying about Tower of God, where, you know, like, the elements are there, certainly, mm-hmm. but none of them are too particularly engaging is the right. issue. Uh, and, you know, again, I'm willing to accept some responsibility, right, for not finding a whole lot of this engaging. Like I said, I don't find in Isekai that interesting. I think it is, in fact, a very trash genre. You all know this. I would call it the garbage truck accruing more trash as it goes through its night. I am doing my best to try and remove that from myself when I look at this, right? Um, And like I said, this gets a whole lot of props for, you know, kind of breaking with the formula just a little bit. Not a ton. By the end of the third episode, like, right? Okay, so here's the thing. In the first couple of episodes, you know, the conceit is that, you know, she's going to end up being you know, this villainous and, you know, people hate her. Uh, And she's like kind of an underdog uh, when that never fucking happens in Isekai. Yeah, ReZero kind of, but not, not a lot. So like she's, she's meant to be this, this underdog who is probably going to, Oh man, ReZero. I have never seen so many people enjoy something more than I do. Like not since the fucking Macarena. (laughs) When I was yay high. It happened to me just this last winter with the Witcher TV show. I I do not understand why people found that as engaging as they did, but... I think they just wished that Game of Thrones was still on, and... And was still good? Like, on, honest to God, I think I like season 8 of Game of Thrones more than I like season 1 of the fucking Netflix Witcher, because fucking... It just did not fucking add up for me, man. Um, and I think I enjoyed the ha-ha-ha fuck you energy of Game of Thrones Season 8. But this, I don't know, it was just fucking awkward. I felt embarrassed for everyone on screen. Uh, but, right, anime podcast, right. I think my point here is that ultimately my review of this show is that it is a show that exists. It is not nearly as bad as it could have been. It's bread-flavored bread. It is, in fact... Bread favored bread. And there's Oh, oh shit. I remember what I was fucking building towards, right? Um <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I remember what the fucking point I was trying to make mm-hmm. it. Is that um, you know, you spend these first two episodes, you know, trying to convince me that it's not just another Isekai with, you know, like, you know, OP protagonists who everyone wants to fuck, you know, just coasting the fuck through, right? Uh and then 
by the end of the time skip, right, in episode three, it's pretty clear. And I went and read ahead just a little bit on my own, Denard. I'm sorry. I'll forgive you. She is the OP protagonist that everyone wants to fuck. So, like, thanks for giving us those two episodes, I guess, where, um, you know, it was at all in question, right? But, um, and th- and this whole fucking, um, maybe, maybe I'm not being entirely fair because there's this whole, um, issue of agency in this, uh, in this show where, you know, the, um, we're not entirely sure. And it's kind of like built into the narrative. This isn't like a flaw or whatever. This is just a thing that they're struggling trying to against the fate series, and right? what have There's, you. Yeah. We're not, we're not really sure, you know, how much, um, you know, the, uh, our heroine is actually capable of altering the uh, course of events going forward because like she knows how things play out in this game that she is in. Right. Uh, and you know, we're, we're not sure if like it's despite her best efforts, to change things or I don't know. Um, so maybe, maybe it's true that I'm not being fair and that, you know, this continues to be an element in this, in the show. And that like that, that is, you know, like objectively like a pretty decent, you know, source of dramatic tension there. But, um, I don't know, just, just her being a standard isekai protagonist by the end of the third episode, just sort of whatever fucking points I kind of wanted to give this, um, Half credit. Yeah. It, Not it, none of them, but half it credit. It really stumbles off the balance beam in the line between, like, you know, gentle satire and just doing the thing. Ultimately, your fucking area of entertainment here is which one of these guys is she going to doink? <laughs> Probably not her brother, because do I even have to say it? Welcome to Weaboo's Hell's favorite game show. Don't! Fuck Dude, your fuck sister. Your sister. Don't fuck your sister. That's our that's our lesson for you guys, kids. Uh, by the way, they described one of these uh, guys as a frivolous playboy. Were we ever frivolous playboys in our youth, Sam? <laughs> me? No. The fuck? <laughs> what? Did you just call me a son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, I swear to God, you waste one five-year streak drinking and carousing, and suddenly you don't have values. Well, now I have the most important values of all. The ability to sit down for hours on end in audacity, editing myself talking about anime. This, my friends. And in the end. And in the end. Isn't that that what you need? Anyway, my friends, this has been Wuyubu Hell. Wasn't wasn't the real... Wasn't the real Tower of God the uh, the editing that we did along the way? Wasn't the real Tower of God the weird engine sounds I'm going to take out of this episode? <laughs> uh, it's Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. Um, also, we have our website, weeabooHell.com, or you can go to seemoreevil.com. And thank you for listening. I deeply appreciate all of you. Fuck 12. Fuck 12. Wasn't the real Tower of God the weird engine sounds I'm going to take out of this episode? Oh, well, what's going on in your in your side of the neighborhood? Oh, there, there are no engine sounds. I just made that up. They won't hear any. Okay, yeah, you can you 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 you, you can edit you can edit out me calling your bluff just now. <laughs>